Hey, welcome once again. This is Elle at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to reform. Access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove, you can find both. Come on down, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. Well, today is St. Patrick's Day. Erengebrach, as they say. The Americanized version, Erengebrag, but I think that it's spelled B-R-A-C-H, so it's probably Erengebrach, means... Ireland forever, or uh, according to Encyclopedia, the Free Dictionary, the phrase, motto, and war cry is most often translated as Ireland be free and has a number of alternate spellings. Not to be confused with Erengudeo, which means Ireland forever. Although an awful lot of uh, websites that I've researched say that uh, Erengebrach means Ireland forever. So it's either Ireland forever or Ireland be free. But in any case, either way you want to look at it, it uh, it has to do with the uh, continuing existence of Ireland. So St. Patrick's Day, the day of green. Uh, St. Patrick's Day falls during the Christian season of Lent, and traditionally Irish families would attend church in the morning and then celebrate the holiday in the afternoon. I thought it was pretty funny this morning. I heard that um, the ex-mayor, Ed Koch, goes to St. Patrick's Cathedral every St. Patrick's Day for Mass in the morning, and I thought, Gosh, I thought he was Jewish. And in fact, he is Jewish. And the thing that's so funny about it is not that he's Jewish and he's going to church. But the thing that's so funny about it is that the ancient order of the Hibernians who sponsor the St. Patrick's Day Parade are this Catholic organization that refuses to allow gays or lesbians or transgenders or anybody who has some alternative lifestyle to march in their parade because it's against what the Catholic Church teaches. And throughout Mayor Koch's mayorness, throughout his um, term as mayor of the city of New York, he was constantly, constantly accused of, asked about, because he is a bona fide lifetime bachelor, he was always asked about his sexuality and whether he was homosexual. And he refused to say whether he was or he wasn't because either way, he didn't think that that was an issue. But it's just kind of funny that he (laughs) actually goes to church. Oh, yes, Ed Koch, a lifelong bachelor, um, and his sexuality became an issue in the 1977 mayoral primary against Mario Cuomo. They actually, there were people that, were holding slogan cards that would say, vote Cuomo, not homo, which is really rude, but whatever. Anyway, um, Koch denounced the attack saying, no, I'm not a homosexual. And if I were a homosexual, I would hope that I would have the courage to say so. Um, What's cruel, he said, is that you are forcing me to say I am not homosexual. This means that you are putting homosexuals down and I don't want to do that either. So I I thought that was kind of an interesting interesting thing. He was a pretty cool mayor. I remember him, actually. He was kind of a no-nonsense, um, interesting and funny guy. And um, even later on in, uh, in his book, when, uh, when he was asked about this whole situation, um, he said, what do I care? I'm 73 years old. 
I think it's pretty fascinating that people are interested in my sex life at 73. It's rather complimentary. <laughs> uh, my question on the subject is, uh, my answer on the subject is simply F off. <laughs> and that's, some matters are meant to be private and that's how he left it. <laughs> and that's kind of funny. I don't know. I just thought that was, that was amusing. So there you go. Some other interesting facts about um, St. Patrick's Day. There are approximately 34 million U.S. residents who claim Irish ancestry, which is based on the History Channel's information, um, nine times the population of Ireland itself, which is only 3.9 million. So that's kind of an interesting little bit tidbit of information. St. Patrick's is officially the patron saint of Ireland. There are tons of stories and legends regarding St. Patrick, and it's difficult to separate the facts from the myth. So I'm going to assume that 99% of it is myth because it's like that game telephone, if you've ever played it. If you start at one end and you tell them, um, the bird is in the backyard, and then you get to the next guy, and they say, I heard he's in the backyard, and then you get to the next guy, and you say, then the third guy says, he's on the deck dealing cards, and then the fourth guy says, something, something, it just goes on and on and on, by the time you get to the end, it's a completely different story than what it started out as. So, I think that with most of these myths, especially something that's like from, let's see, it says that Patrick was born around 387 A.D., in Roman Britain. Okay, 387 AD. We're at 2006. Who knows what happened there that long ago? You know, you can only you can only assume that some of the stuff is true and some of the stuff is just nonsense. There are like leftover bits of stuff that that um, were instituted by this guy, but let's just let's just go to the myth. And the myth is that when he was 16, he was kidnapped by a band of Irish marauders and he was made into a slave. He was brought to Ireland where he became a sheep herder and he faithfully tended the sheep for six years until he escaped. It's said that he walked 200 miles to the coastline of Ireland, was able to get aboard a ship and go back to Britain where he rejoined his family. Um, during the time that he was a slave, of course, he prayed a lot because he was in servitude and probably very unhappy and was praying to God to get him out of this fix. And so he became somewhat religious. While he was enslaved, he learned all about the Irish folk of who lived off the land, which would one day be really useful because he was going to go around all of Ireland converting people from Druidism to Catholicism. He probably didn't know that, but that was his destiny. So eventually his heart was set on devoting himself to God and the sacred ministry. He supposedly experienced a revelation. An angel in a dream tells him to return to Ireland as a missionary. And so he spent some time becoming a Christian missionary and returned to Ireland to introduce Christianity to Ireland. 
because he had some intimate knowledge about the country folk and the customs and the language, he was able to interact with the Irish people more comfortably. And instead of just trying to take their pagan culture and just replacing it completely with this new Christianity, he incorporated traditional rituals into his lessons of Christianity. The the for the three-leaf clover and why you always see that associated with St. Patrick is because that's how he explained the Trinity. The pagan beliefs were earth-centered types of beliefs, and so he took something that they would clearly easily understand as something, a leaf, as something Mother Naturely, and showed how something with three distinctly separate parts all could be part of this one main thing, the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, all part of the one three-leafed clover. He also incorporated in the crucifix a, a son because he knew that they celebrated fire and so he superimposed the sun, a powerful Irish symbol, onto the Christian cross, and that's now called the Celtic cross. And really simply, it's the cross with a circle around that center point where the two perpendicular um, points meet. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Patrick best known as the patron saint of Ireland and parades and parties. In his name is uh, celebrated across the globe with much drinking and merriment. Much of the stories traditionally, including the famous account of banishing all the snakes from Ireland, are probably not true. Um, the truth is, I don't think that snakes, um, from what I can read, were ever native to Ireland. So the whole banishing of the snakes thing was really just symbolic. And in Christianity, of course, snakes being the bad guys, and he banished the snakes, meaning he banished the heathens and the heathen culture from Ireland. I think that's more like what they mean by the whole banishing of the snakes. Um, it's a good story. People like to tell it, but you know, it's like many stories. It's not necessarily based in truth. The snakes, driving the snakes out of Ireland meant banishing the goddess because they were goddess worshiping cultures and the Christianity was patriarchal. So to banish the serpent was banishing the goddess who represented the, um, goddess culture and femininity. So I guess he basically banished femininity, which is really pretty creepy, but whatever. The triple aspect of the goddess were well understood indeed, and the shamrock was sacred to her because the triple goddess was sacred to the, the Irish at that time. The most famous of the triple goddess is Bridget, the daughter of the Dagda, often called the poetess. Her worship was widespread probably through a semi-dominance of brigantes, a tribe who covered the wide area of Ireland and Gaul. The, the whole concept of the triple goddess is birth, death, and rebirth, mind, body, and spirit. It was 
represented by a young woman, a maiden, a birth-giving matron, a mother, and an old woman, a crone. It dates back from the earliest ages of mankind and is attributed to the three phases of the moon. It relates to the goddess-worshipping principle of fertility, fulfillment, stability, power. So that's the triple goddess. Clover is the shamrock, which, of course, St. Patrick's made into the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that Trinity thing. But the four-leaf clover is universally accepted as a symbol of good luck. It's The four leaves are hope, faith, love, and luck. And the four-leaf clover is also associated with the four elements of nature, the goddess for earth, water, wind, and fire. And that goes back to the whole earth-worshipping culture that the Celts came from, that St. Patrick was instrumental in abolishing, basically. So he came in and decided he was going to turn the pagans and the Druids and the Celts into Christians. That's where that whole thing came home. Now, why leprechauns on St. Patrick's Day? I'm still trying to figure that out. I haven't quite figured that out, except that they're, they're related to Ireland and the whole concept that um, this whole fairy energy, fairies and magical creatures, all kinds of stories about fortunes hidden in the forest and rainbows and such things that, that were believed. It seems like the whole thing about Irish fairies is that, is that you invite them into your home to bring treasures into your life. And those treasures are the good kind of treasures, love, good health, happiness. Those are brought by the, basically the good fairy. And the leprechauns, if you ask for money and, and you know, uh, material wealth, that kind of thing, then you may be, you might end up with the prankster, the leprechaun, who might lead you off on a wild goose chase to the other side of a rainbow where a pot of gold seems to be and disappears as soon as you get there. So that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of, of thing. The inhabitants of Ireland before the Celts arrived were a race called the Tutha di Danan. They were famous for their skill in magic and other arts and many legends about battles between the gods and goddesses of both sides. Eventually, the Celts won and their opponents divided Ireland equally between them. The Celts got the upper half and the Tutha di Danan got the lower half. And so it's believed that the, the lower half was below the ground and that became, and they became the fairies and they became this, this other race of supernatural mythical beings. The leprechauns were said to be tiny little folk, two feet tall elves, often wearing cocked hats, leather aprons, silver shoes, and glasses. They smoked pipes and were usually dressed in green clothing made of very costly material. They, they smoked pipes, they drank beer and whiskey, and they were 
they were, um, you know, naughty pranksters. They got into trouble. They were little foolish, foul-mouthed, silly beings. And they would get you into trouble. So, so leprechauns, why they're associated with St. Patrick's Day, I think is just because they're associated with Ireland, but nothing else in particular. The word leprechaun is from a mixture of lurkopan, or small person, and the word meaning one shoemaker. Of course, there's the, the ancient myth uh, that the leprechaun guards a hidden pot of gold, which humans try to find and never succeed. So it, it's um, that goes that an Irishman caught a leprechaun, made him reveal which tree hid his pot of gold, and the Irishman tied a handkerchief around the trunk so that he would remember the location. And when he went away and find a shovel and he returned, he found the leprechaun had tied a red handkerchief exactly like his own around every other tree in the forest. So um, that's one of those silly little stories that basically tells you nothing, but, you know, you get the, the gist of it. They're pranksters. They're silly, and, and it's, all, it's all in good fun. The first St. Patrick's Day parade in New York City took place on March 17, 1762, a full 14 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So you get an idea of how long this has been going on. It's quite a long, a long time. It, um, it started out at the intersection of Barclay and Church Street in Lower Manhattan. The parade began as a simple as a simple Irish holiday a religious holiday and uh, basically the Irish Americans would walk together to church go to mass and then come home and have some kind of a festive meal the problem was that there were a number of other factions living in the downtown Manhattan area that didn't particularly like the Irish Americans. And the Anglo-Saxons in particular were really unkind to the Irish community. There was a, a strong anti-Catholic bent in the lower Man, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And the Anglo-Saxon Protestant population really was mean to the Catholics. They, on the eve of St. Patrick's Day, they would make effigies that were, they would make effigies of St. Patrick and that were where, where he was wearing a necklace of potatoes and he was wearing ragged clothes with molasses smeared on his face and a whiskey bottle hanging out of his pants and they called them patties. And so the custom of patty making was this widespread, really um, insulting cultural prejudice against the Irish Catholics. In order to, to sort of try and, and battle this, the Irish Catholic community began organizing and, um, and helping each other to defend themselves in social and economic situations and to, to grow um, a more... Um, 
welcoming sentiment for Irish people in New York and around the around the country. And um, it's probably one of the most widely celebrated religious holidays around the world for people who are not Irish or even Catholic. As I mentioned, Mayor Koch, who is Jewish, goes to St. Patrick's Cathedral every St. Patrick's Day for Mass. So there you go. Anyway, it's what um, Thomas Francis Meager, American Civil War hero, later termed a festival of memory. A religious memory, a cultural memory, a familial memory, and that's what they celebrate, a memory of this St. Patrick. Uh, so that's what I found out about St. Patrick's Day. Now your mind is full of more Jeopardy facts, and uh, you can file this for future reference in the trivia, the trivia file. Come on down, drop me a note. Let me know about some of your interesting trivia facts about St. Patrick's Day so I can put them in my file of Jeopardy facts. And uh, till tomorrow, this is Ellen, Iron Dove, signing out.